Welcome to the Moving Markets podcast on Thursday, the 22nd of June with me, Bernadette Anderko. A lot of sticky inflation is being blamed rightly or wrongly on energy costs. And I saw an article yesterday saying that German energy prices are so high that some companies are considering leaving the country altogether. So it's great that we've got our head of macro and next generation research, Norbert Rooker, on the show today to cut through the noise and tell us precisely what we should be focusing on in the energy sector. And of course, it's Thursday, so we'll have our regular update on what our investment committee is thinking. But first, I'm joined by Roman Canciani for our regular review of what's been moving markets since yesterday's show. Good morning, Roman. Good morning, Bernadette. So uh, the stock rally, which has seen the S&P 500 index in the US rise by 8% in just a little over a month, seems to have hit a brick wall this week. Uh, the index closed in the red again yesterday for the third day in a row. What's going on? Well, when you listen to equity strategists on the news wires, it seems a confluence of factors which has led stocks to consolidate after one of the best periods for the index in a long time. First, the big option expiry day last Friday triggered some renewed selling. Second, there's some profit-taking going on in everything AI-related after the relentless rally triggered by NVIDIA's upbeat outlook regarding sales of its AI-related chips in May. And third, and I think that's what's most important. That was uh, most important yesterday. There's still a kind of a disconnect between what the markets say about the future trajectory of a monetary policy in the U.S. and the rate-setting body, the Federal Reserve itself. Uh, while the former, so the markets still expect the Federal Reserve to be close to stop hiking rates, Fed officials and especially the U.S. Central Bank's chair Jerome Powell keep on insisting that rates are likely to be lifted further than the market is currently pricing in. I see. But uh, I remember from my own, my old uh, bond sales days on the trading floor of a big US bank that we always joked about these people trading against what the Fed communicated. Uh, and that was usually because it didn't pay off. So how serious is this disconnect? Well, that's a good question, actually. If you browse through the comments made by a strategist after Chairman Powell's appearance before Congress yesterday, the roots of this disconnect or uncertainty may be found in the fact that there's actually not that much forward guidance currently with regard to US monetary policy. Instead, Jerome Powell called the upcoming rate decision meetings in July and September life, which means that the central bank remains very much data dependent. So if the US economy remains resilient, the labor market tight and inflation sticky, more rates are probably a given, more rate hikes are probably a given. If any or some of those parameters soften, we might see the central bank waiting with further hikes, keeping them at current levels for the time being. That said, the probability for a further rate hike by 25 basis points in July is currently at 70%, according to the swaps market. Okay, so there seem to be a lot of unknowns then. Um, how did the markets cope with that yesterday? Yes, uh, starting with fixed income, the uh, news flow over the past days has led to the yield curve inverting even more to 1% this morning. So two-year treasuries added another three basis points uh, yesterday and trade at 472 now, while 10-year yields are about where they were yesterday morning at 372 after a brief pop towards 380 during trading hours yesterday. One factor keeping longer-term yields at bay yesterday and stocks under pressure was probably the weaker-than-expected outlook by U.S. economic bellwether FedEx, which reported that they were slashing costs in response to waning package demand. FedEx is often looked at as a leading indicator for the economy, and the weak profit outlook may be a sign of things to come for the broader economy too. 
The S&P 500 index overall shared 0.5% with roughly half of its constituents trading in the red for the day. Sector-wise, energy, utilities, industrials and consumer staples outperformed, while tech, telecom and consumer discretionary were the weakest sectors. Uh, Intel was uh, one of the bigger detractors yesterday, down 6% after their update on how they want to turn around the company to become a major player in the chip field again, failed to impress investors. Well, thanks for the update there, uh, Roman. Um, I also saw that this morning Bitcoin is scratching the 30,000 US dollar mark again. That seems a pretty steep ascent compared with when I checked a few days ago, it was nearer $25,000. Is there some news there? Uh, yes, for once, there's a flurry of positive news about crypto to report on. Investors seem to have become more positive due to the start of a new digital asset exchange, EDX Markets, uh, backed by firms including Citadel Securities, Fidelity Digital Assets and uh, Charles Schwab, all of them companies with a reputation for doing things right. Separately, BlackRock and Wisdom Tree both have applied to launch spot-use Bitcoin exchange-traded funds. Better liquidity and easier access would certainly help the asset class. Right, OK. So uh, last but not least, uh, what's been going on overnight in Asia? Well, trading action has been light in Asia as Hong Kong, mainland China and Taiwan markets are all shot for a holiday. In Japan, the Nikkei closed a bit lower while the broader topics ended the day just about in the plus, a rare outlier with regard to global trading action over the past 24 hours. Also, this morning in Europe, stocks are taking a respite. Markets are currently slightly in the red overall, just like the US equity market futures too. But the trading day will probably be influenced heavily by central bank action today. The Bank of England is set to raise rates by another 25 base points today, as per consensus expectations, uh, following yesterday's red-hot inflation data. But there are also many in the market who believe that the Bank of England may even hike by 50 basis points today. Also, the Swiss National Bank is set to raise its policy rate by an expected 25 basis points, although inflation here is much lower than elsewhere in Europe. Otherwise, we'll have some economic data too, with Eurozone consumer confidence and French business confidence, and in the US, initial jobless claims and home sales. That's it from me. Thanks so much for that wrap-up, uh, Roman. Now, I promised you an energy focus, and uh, here's the man who can give it to us. Uh, good morning, Norbert. Morning. We've been hearing on the show for some weeks now, Norbert, that oil prices are trading range-bound and that markets seem unusually calm. Have we actually had any noteworthy changes of late? No, not uh, that we'd be aware of. There's still more bearish trends at play than bullish ones as of late. But there are still the two dominant topics, and one is being the narrative of tighter supplies later this year. And this narrative really remains under scrutiny because uh, stocks globally seem quite ample and also because demand grows a bit less than expected. And this is especially the case in China. The other dominant topic is oil politics, and there the latest adjustments that we had seen by the Petronations and special this cut of supplies by Saudi Arabia really failed so far to support prices. Thus, most likely the nervousness among the group increases uh, rather than eases, and thus we should rather see more oil politics to come and thus more uncertainty. But overall, we stick to our neutral view and see range-bound prices going forward. Okay, but uh, there's been some action in the European natural gas markets, though, hasn't there? What's uh, driven the recent spikes in prices there? 
Yeah, there have been quite some spikes in the European gas uh, price uh, from somewhere around below 25 euros a megawatt hour up to 40 at certain points. Um, so this is quite a spike in percentage terms. Um, there have been some outages on Norwegian supply, some unplanned, some extended. And this really kind of reignited these, these fears about uh, having sufficient gas in Europe. That said, we are in the maintenance season and following this intense month of heavy use of the existing infrastructure, this maintenance season was expected to be slightly more profound. So uh, these disruptions to flows into Europe, they don't come as a big surprise. The excessive price move, however, showed that there's still quite some, some nervousness in the market. And uh, most likely, there were also some action by the trading dynamics, basically short covering a play that amplified these uh, price moves. Okay, so you're talking about spikes. Um, so I guess as a final question, do we need to be worried about energy supplies in the coming winter? Well, from our perspective, the market really seems to overact quite a bit. Um, even with these temporary outages of Norwegian supplies, the situation remains very comfortable. In fact, storage is so full that Europe needs to see a slowdown in inflows, either from Norway or from the global market via the liquefied natural gas tankers, to really avoid hitting constraints, capacity constraints late in the summer, early autumn. Moreover, demand remains rather soft because the industrial-related consumption doesn't pick up as expected, even though we see much lower price in the meantime. And also the burn at power plants remains quite low because of the abundance of renewables and because nuclear generation returns in France. So overall, if you look at the global market, the energy supply situation has really substantially increased thanks to China's ramp up of coal, thanks to Japan's South Korea's pivot back to nuclear, and thanks to the global boom in renewables. So we really should not be too worried about energy supplies in Europe. Um, in fact, we should rather acknowledge how well Europe coped with this extreme culmination of shocks. And we should also acknowledge that energy prices are almost back to normal levels. So overall, we stick to our cautious view, European gas prices, and we believe that the current spike should prove to be short-lived. Good to know. Thanks very much for that, Norbert. Um, and now it's Thursday, so we have our regular update on what the Investment Committee and our Chief Investment Officer are focusing on this week. And Nicola Jordan is here to brief us. Good morning, Nicola. Good morning. So I guess we might as well cut to the chase. Uh, what's your view on markets these days? Yeah, we have seen an interesting development as of late, and it's the drastic change in sentiment, actually. For almost the whole first half of this year, sentiment was extremely bearish with a lot of cash sitting on the sidelines. Pretty much unbothered by this, equity markets have continued their uptrend in light of the very resilient economy. At the beginning of this month, as we heard, the S&P 500 rallied further, and this latest breakout seemed to have been accompanied by the capitulation of bearish investors who were affected by this pain trade. As a consequence, sentiment indicators have now turned bullish, which is a negative sign from a contrarian perspective. So this means the market is vulnerable to a short-term correction, since an overly enthusiastic sentiment means that investors could be caught on the wrong foot should negative economic indicators emerge. A couple of weeks ago, I mentioned that a short-term correction would be welcome. And as Roman mentioned, we are seeing first signs of it this week. However, we still expect further gains in leading equity indices in the coming month and would use the pullback to increase equity allocations where appropriate. In our view, the top of this bull market is not yet in sight. Okay, so what does the change in sentiment mean for your asset allocation then? Well, as said, we will wait for a downturn to potentially increase the risk in our portfolios, but we are definitely not there yet. But we did make a change within our equity portion as we increased our allocation to Swiss equities, 
while reducing our value allocation across currency profiles. We have looked at the Swiss market for quite some time now and have come to the conclusion that almost every portfolio should include Swiss assets. Okay, so for the benefit of the listeners, why is that? Well, first of all, we think that in times of high geopolitical and economic uncertainty, investors should focus on capital markets where the playing field is familiar and the rules of the game are most likely to be respected. In that sense, Switzerland's long-standing political stability, sound economic policies, highly developed rule of law, highly skilled workforce, low inflation and its strong currency have all contributed to the country's well-established safe haven status. We think that these favorable structural characteristics of the Swiss economy also spill over into the Swiss equity market. With its rather defensive qualities, it provides security during slowdowns, but thanks to its well-established small and mid-cap landscape, it should also perform well during economic prosperity. So in summary, we believe such an allocation is not only suitable for the current environment, but also for a longer investment horizon. That's it from my side. Back to you, Bernadette. That's good to know, Nicholas. Thank you very much for the update and your insights there. Well, that's it for today's podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Please tune in again tomorrow when Lucia Cicilovic will be hosting David Meyer and Tim Gagey to review today's Bank of England rate decisions and their impact, amongst other things, on the currency markets. So don't miss that. Good luck today and goodbye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Für unsere deutschsprachigen Zuhörer, we would also like to make you aware of Marktanalysen und Gespräche, a monthly podcast in German, where Julius Bear experts discuss some of the latest market developments. We share our key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape in German. Search for Marktanalysen und Gespräche on your favorite podcast player.